Hi, this is Lisa Davis, and welcome to another episode of Talk Healthy Today. This show is brought to you by the folks at Better Nutrition, Amazing Wellness, Clean Eating, Vegetarian Times, The Yoga Journal, and more. The show provides you with the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. People tell me listening to the show is like overhearing two friends talking about really incredible health topics that you want to know about. I like to really get to know my guests and I'd like you to get to know them as well. So we delve really deeply into topics and I like to share some personal anecdotes as well. To make sure you never miss an episode of Talk Healthy Today, be sure to subscribe, also rate and review. So thank you again for listening to Talk Healthy Today, and here's a word from our sponsors. If you listen to the show, you know that I love memoirs, and I love to learn from other people. So we have a fantastic guest. Before I bring her in, I just want to mention that I've been in a bit of a funk lately, just some different things going on in my life, but it's a funk. It's not a depression. A lot of people don't understand that there's a difference between being in a funk and actually having depression. So I am absolutely thrilled to have the wonderful Jessica Holmes on the program. Her book is hysterical, but it also sheds light on this very important topic of depression. Depression, the comedy, the tale of perseverance. Jessica, welcome to the show. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's so nice to have you on. I think you've lifted my funk. Your book. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I had not heard that yet. So that's, uh, thank you. Oh, your book is hysterical. I mean, we're going to get to that. But before we get to that, I want to jump into depression. And the real, the reason I brought up the funk is that people are just so idiotic. Oh, just go for a walk, get some fresh air, blah, blah, blah. Let's tell me some of the dumbest things. I mean, I know because I read the book, but for people who haven't read it, they definitely should, but just share a few of the dumbest things people told you. Well, I think the one that, that hurt my feelings the most was, um, when people would say, um, I'm just a really grateful person. So I, oh. I don't understand depression. Um, and I kept saying, it's not that I'm a meanie with a bad heart who doesn't appreciate <laughs> life. I, it honestly felt like someone had poured cement over me and I couldn't experience my life. And, and I wanted to, like, it just made me feel worse. It just made me feel guiltier to even see I have so many good things and I just can't even process them. And that's why I love when my psychiatrist explained to me, a depressed mind is like a sieve where um, all of what you go through passes through it, but only the negatives make it into your consciousness. You don't actually experience the positives, even though you can see them, even though they're happening to you, you cannot feel them. And that's why a mental illness is different than an attitude problem. Yes. And not enough people realize that, you know, it was interesting. I, my mother died when I was in my twenties and, and I was oh, going sorry. through a definite, down period. And I, a friend said, it's like walking through yogurt. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. But the cement, see, I was walking through yogurt, which you can still move, right. but you were in cement, right? And that's cement. a yeah. big thing. And the thing is I could still, I didn't know that I was depressed because when push came to shove, when I had to show up and do a show to pay the mortgage, I could actually do that. I could actually, you know, 
paste on some makeup and do my hair and get on stage and recite jokes that I'd said before. So I, I didn't know that it was a depression. I was just thinking, I guess we artists are just very sensitive. I guess, I guess we cry a lot (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it didn't make sense to me that it would be depression. I had had postpartum depression earlier and I knew what that felt like. That felt like, Oh my gosh, overwhelming anxiety. And um, I can't handle my kids, but I was like, well, I haven't had any more kids, so I don't know what this is. Um, and then it, uh, yeah, it, it finally, we did get the diagnosis and it was depression. Yay. Yeah. You know, when there are, <laughs> obviously you write in the book, there are some good things about getting uh, the diagnosis and there are some bad things about getting the diagnosis. Share a little bit of that. And then I want to jump back. We're going to jump around. I want to jump sure, back sure. to your childhood and some of the, the way you started jotting down funny lines and, and oh, all of that. But sure. yeah. So, so talk to us about like, cause it, I, I do believe that, you know, my daughter's on the autism spectrum and has ADHD and has something called NLD. And I love the label. Some parents are like, I don't want my kid labeled. I'm like, are you kidding me? We get services. People, you tell them like, I'm sorry, I missed that appointment. My, my daughter had a specialist. You know what I mean? Like, well, and it, it's, also, it, it, and it's uh, true. It's not an excuse, but it helps you to like navigate this hard landscape. And to get a diagnosis makes you realize, oh, okay, this wasn't just random terribleness. This There's a name for this. There's, this is a thing, and there is a course of treatment that may help. Um, and for me, I, I was a bit relieved to get the diagnosis because I realized, oh, it's not my husband. <laughs> it's not his shoe fluttering up the doorway. I was okay, going to say that. <laughs> maybe I can save this marriage. Oh, phew. So yes, relieved on, on that end, but then terrified because I, you know, every day I wake up and think, okay, how am I going to live my life in a way that I do not fall into depression again? Because it was so random. There wasn't a specific event that, that triggered it necessarily. So if you've been through more than one depression, even when you feel healthy, um, you're considered in remission, not cured because there are, you're still considered susceptible to drop back into one. So I'm living the dream life of a senior citizen. I go to bed early. I get Me too. <laughs> three square meals every day. Like I go up for walks in nature. Um, and I, I just will have to do those things for the rest of my life to remain mentally healthy, but it's, it's not too shabby, uh, taking care of your mental health. It's, it's pretty sweet once you get used to it. It is so important. Now, I know I said a minute ago, we're gonna go to your childhood, but I want to talk first. You mentioned the Mayo Clinic's uh, depression. Uh, They have at least five of the following symptoms. I like that you asterisked yours. I won't (laughs) read them all, but you had a feelings of sadness, emptiness, or unhappiness. You had that one. Uh, Loss of interest in pleasure and normal activities such as sex. You had that one. Tiredness and lack of energy so that even small tasks take extra effort. You lost, you know, you had that one. Now, as I mentioned, you know, when my mom passed, I had these but they were in they were in response to an to a traumatic event right well and i guess those would be called yeah circumstantial circumstantial depression, depression yes mm-hmm. but that there's a big difference and i thought it was interesting because a moment ago you just said there was no there wasn't like a triggering thing mm-hmm. so it must be just like mind blowing like wait i can't understand like somebody died or you lost your husband or something and then it can turn into a depression although i don't even does that happen that's something i don't i should look into or maybe you know or just like you're going along, la di da, and all of a sudden you're depressed. That's just must be like what? Yeah, and I, 
even though I can't pinpoint what started it for me, I do know um, moving forward um, that I said to my psychiatrist, I don't think this is the right job for me. I think I need to go be a cashier. I think I need to <laughs> give up comedy because my heart hurt every time I would hit mm. one of the lows in my industry. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about instead of being a cashier right away? What if we tried um, to make your life more balanced so that your life looks good every day, whether or not you have terrific things or terrible things happening in your creative life? And uh, that ended up being such a key piece of it for me to kind of just fill the rest of my life up so that all of my eggs weren't in this one basket. And that's uh, brilliant. Yeah. And so if I had to guess, I would say, maybe a lack of resiliency and my my very challenging highs and lows feast or famine career contributed to the depression. Oh, I can completely see that. I think that's why I've been in a funk. Like the radio stations mm -hmm. I was on was sold. I mean, I'm still doing stuff I love and it's still going well, but there's just this sense of Oh my gosh, like, why aren't I up here? And why are, you know, why is this? And then I have a book that came out and it's doing pretty well, but now it's, you know, fading away, but it's so good. Why isn't it? My husband keeps <laughs> yeah. saying, oh my God, I need, number one, we have a lot in common. Number two, I need your therapist because I've been, I keep putting it on. I'm like, maybe I'll go back to school and become an esthetician because I do love skincare. It's not like something I don't want to do, but he's like, no, hun, just keep going, keep going. Like, this is a tough business. It's a yeah, tough business and is. you have to just keep going. Well, yeah. And I'm actually working on a blog piece right now where I, I talk about the fact that it's okay if you decide this dream isn't for you. Right. That's okay. It's And I sort of felt like I started comedy in my early 20s and I felt like I'm going to be a star or nothing. And I <laughs> I feel like I kind of peaked too early. I, I started my own series in Canada in my uh, 20s. And then in my 30s, I was on this other series for six years. And then um, then I kind of got more into the, the mental health angle. And I'm doing things that I love that are better for me. But I couldn't let go of that first dream. And I kept looking at myself as a failed star. Like, right. I guess I, I failed. I failed at that one thing. People are embarrassed for me, but I can try. And I have just recently accepted that um, I'm not a failed anything. I'm, I'm a motivational speaker and I get hired all the time doing that. And I need to stop visualizing myself through the eyes of the peers I had when I was 20 because they've certainly moved on. I should move on too. And uh, so, yeah, that's the blog I'm working on is that, you know what, it's, it's okay if, if you're that one dream, if it isn't healthy for you, if it isn't working for you, if you think the universe has been sending you little hints that that's, it, it wasn't for you anyway, then, uh, then it's okay to move on and, and know that you should be proud of wherever you're at, whatever new, um, vision you set out for yourself, even if it's much less ambitious. Yeah. Wow. See, this is like, you are singing my song because that's, I've been getting out of the funk because I haven't, I've been walking the dogs more. I mean, I'm very involved with my dogs and I know that you have a wonderful dog, Ellie. And I'm so glad that is such a good, that is, by the way, that is such, such great advice. Get a dog. It's not going to cure your depression, but it certainly helps get you off the couch. And getting off the couch for you was, you were like glued to it. I mean, I, the way you describe in your book. I guess I, I find um, in, for me specifically, um, that getting active, physically active is a metaphor for getting myself active in other ways. Like it's a friend of mine used to say, do the thing to do the thing. And what she meant is 
if you're searching for feelings over here and you just can't channel those feelings, then just do the little things that are right in front of you. What do you have to get done today? Like just do something, start with something little and that snowballs into the bigger things. Cause the truth is we can't channel. This is one of the big myths about happiness. You cannot channel happiness out of thin air. Happiness is a reaction to things you experience. Um, and so you, you, you're able to channel peace, but happiness, happiness is something that happens when you do things that you love to do and you're with people that you love to be with, or you think thoughts that you love to think. And so that's what I love about uh, cognitive behavior therapy. It just says, what made you, what's the last time you remember feeling great? What were you doing? Who were you with? Try doing that thing again and see if that brings you happiness as opposed to laying on the sofa crying, saying, why can't I get happy? Oh my gosh, that is so so true. You know, I I will I do want to go back to now how your comedy roots in terms of the way you sure. grew up and your family and your aunt. I mean, you have so many little funny stories and you would just jot things down. But people have to get the book because I don't want to give it away. But you would just jot <laughs> like little funny things down that your dad would say, your mom would say. And one of the things you said about your parents that I thought was so hysterical is that your dad was Mormon. Your mom was a, a big feminist. And so I love when you wrote, not sure how their marriage is so good. When he thinks after death, she won't make it to heaven. And she thinks after death, he'll just decompose. <laughs> it's, yeah. And every now and then I'll, I'll ask them and they're like, we don't go there. Yes, we just don't go there. <laughs> Here's, a, here's another thing that you said that just absolutely killed me. I want to be incognito, even though I've told them time and time again, I'll never get recognized for my appearances unless I'm some in some kind of comp compromising situation, like on a rush morning when I haven't brushed my teeth, or maybe I just sharded at Walmart. That is when someone stops me for a selfie. That word yep. sharded absolutely cracks me up. It's like the funniest thing ever. Well, it's a, listen, I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm just going to say I, I had a one-year-old and I was pregnant, uh, eight months pregnant with the other one. Oh my gosh. And stuff happened. In yes, Walmart. stuff happens. Um, and, uh, and it happens that while I was trying to run out of the store in shame, uh, someone yelled, that's that girl from that show. Um, so there are moments like that where I'm like, I hate my life. I hate my life. <laughs> I just want to be someone else right now. Um, and oh that's the, like the only only comfort in that is that I know five minutes from now or a day from now or a month from now, that's going to be funny to me. It's not funny right away. This is pretty <laughs> awful. But um, here we are. Lisa and I are laughing. About we are it. cracking up. Okay. I don't want to give too much away, but tell us a little bit about Pat. I love the way you did that in the book. Sure. Sure. Okay. So my way of writing is whatever I'm writing, I sit here at my office in my chair and I have conversations out loud with just my imagination. I'm just improvising and I type as I have these conversations and that's how I make, I, I make the words appear on the page. And uh, so this book, I felt like I really do want to be speaking to the reader the whole time. So I just gave the androgynous name Pat to the reader and that's who I speak with throughout the book and Pat answers back sometimes and um, becomes kind of my comedy foil 
who's sort of like, whoa, 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 sorry, your husband didn't <laughs> notice for two years you were depressed? Like, whoa, wait a second. Um, and so Pat is great. I love that banter. And I kind of fall in love with Pat a little bit along the way. Me too. Pat becomes my buddy. And then I don't want to say goodbye at the end of the book. Um, oh, Pat is fantastic. I don't think you should. I think you should always just have Pat in your back pocket. I think she's <laughs> sweet. That's great. One of the things that really showed you that you that something's going on is Oprah, who I mean, who doesn't love Oprah? But you know, to be able to speak in front of nine thousand people at an event with Deepak Chopra and Deepak Chopra, I can't even talk. Deepak <laughs> Chopra and uh, what does her name be? Lanza Yon Lavanzant. Thank you. Uh, just incredible. And Oprah, hello. And you, your reaction was neat. And I love how you wrote, neat is a 30% promo code for Gap. Neat is finding jeans under the bed that smell clean enough you wear them a third day in a row. I mean, to have this huge, I mean, I, that's like my dream. My dream was always like to meet Oprah and she would see what a good talk show host I was and she would give me <laughs> yep. a show and blah, da, 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 da. Yeah, but, you like, know, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> You've got Lisa now. Yeah, that hasn't happened. Or have my yeah. book be in her book club or whatever. But at any rate, you were there and just tell people a little bit about that because that was just like, what? Neat. Are sure. you kidding me? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I later realized I was depressed at the time and I just didn't know it. So this woman who's been on my vision board forever, um, who I just idolize, I got this call to open for her. And the day felt like it was a daydream I was having or that it was um, that I was watching someone else experience it. And again, it's that sieve metaphor where I was having the greatest creative moment of my life. And I, I just wasn't able to absorb it. I just felt like Oh, cool. Yep. That's, that's the Oprah. And, um, is it my time to go on stage? Okay. Okay. I'll head up to stage now. Like it, it just made no sense. And, uh, my self-esteem was at an all time low at that point. And, uh, it was only when I, when I went home, I went home and cried and I was like, that was my big moment. And I just stared at her like this hungry old timey orphan looking through a window at a pastry shop. Um, I didn't even introduce myself. I didn't say hi. Didn't, even though we were backstage together. Um, so anyhow, it's, but, but I know that that's the depression. So I, I can't regret it because I felt like it was forces beyond my control, but I felt like that should have been a bit of, I should have called the doctor at that point. Right. Like I could have talked to Oprah. I didn't need to wait another year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have these, um, I forgot what the word is, but these things that you think will never happen. Right. And then they happen. My big thrill was being asked uh, twice to be on the Howard Stern wrap up show. Um, I didn't get to meet Howard, but just to be in, I love Howard. And just to be within that realm of sitting next to Gary Delabate and John Hine and Rasan and, and just talking about the show's events and talking about my book. And I, that was like, that's incredible. Yeah, that was really an exciting experience. And so I, I know that if I had reacted oddly to that, I think my whole family would be like, take her to the emergency room. <laughs> I hope you weren't taking that in a way of putting it on your family. Sorry, I didn't want no, no, it was, but I, I have wondered why didn't I know? And I think it was just, um, my temper was so off the charts at that point that my husband was like, I didn't want to bring anything up with you ever. Oh, I just wanted to that's... make your life easy. Um, and that's how it is in a lot of marriages. And in fact, I would say when I go give my mental health keynotes, 
probably half the people that approach me after are people who aren't depressed themselves, but their spouse or their child or their parent are going through something and they just don't know what to do. And, uh, and I don't blame them at all. And that's part of why I wrote the book. And, and I have two chapters about my husband in there because I, I can see how, uh, he just felt like it was a catch 22. Like when he tried to be loving and tried to help it, just, I, I went off the charts angry. Um, and it just seemed like it was easier to leave me alone. I also was convinced that it was just part of being an artist. And I would say that to him. I would say, how do you, what do you think it's like to go, you know, headline for a thousand people three nights in a row? Of course I'm on the sofa for a week. That's how much energy it takes. Like I, I did believe it was the job. I didn't, I didn't know. I, because when you're in a depression, you cannot see yourself clearly. You're kind of right you sort of you're just in survival mode and in shock and um and so today absolutely I could spot it in another person but I yeah at the time I definitely couldn't see it in myself and that's why I encourage people and audiences that I speak to take a little look at your life every now and then and ask yourself on a scale of one to ten how am I feeling in terms of relationships in terms of peace of mind in terms of physical health um because for me in during my depression, I never once looked at that. But if I had, I would have realized I was like around a two or three in every category. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, it's interesting too, because you talked about temper and being mm -hmm. angry. And I think a lot of people feel like depression, you're just sad, but talk to us about that flip side, that that's depression too. Well, I think the anger came from the deep shame that I felt, the shame that I felt like oh my gosh, why am I sitting on the sofa all day, every day? I'm, I'm wasting my time. I'm useless. And then I would feel really ashamed and it would bubble up into anger that I would only show my poor husband. Um, because I, you know, I, he was my safe person that I could show that part of myself. I knew he would, he would love me unconditionally. I don't know how, but he <laughs> did. Um, and, uh, and so it, my kids even made a scream chart for me where I mean, it sounds horrific when you describe it that way, but I always try to control my temper around them. I never wanted them to see it. Um, but the odd time I would, you know, I'd start crying if um, I spilled a glass of milk. I would cry and just be angry and be like, I hate my life. Anyway, they they were like, <laughs> they made this chart and they gave me a little X anytime I lost it that way. And I was like, <laughs> no. thank you, kids. Thanks for helping encourage money. But um when I got better, like, it's incredible to me. I'm not a person who would normally lose their temper. I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty happy. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to say I have not had an X on that chart since recovering. Oh, five that's years great. Ago. Well, let's talk yeah. about recovering again. I don't want to give away the whole book, but for people who are listening, who are in it, in the thick of it, or have loved ones in the thick of it, Tell us a little bit. I know you mentioned doing tiny things, right? And having them add up, getting the dog help, you know, getting off the couch. What were some other things? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the other things were um, staying off social media more, realizing what my triggers were. And one of my triggers is comparing myself to other people Me and feeling too. less than other people, thinking I'm not enough. So I, I cut out any of the triggers or at least limited the triggers that I knew would exacerbate those feelings. Um, but the interesting, and then making sure I got enough sleep, forgiving myself, doing talk therapy, um, and even just physically like taking a dance class 
making sure that I made more plans with friends and kept those plans, even if I didn't want to do that, but um, giving more meaning to my life, having more of a community, like going back to church um, or finding a spiritual group. But what amazed me about it was even when I did all of those things, they didn't make a difference for uh, at least six months. So what I say to people who are going through something is keep going, keep doing whatever tiny steps you're doing, because you really never know, will tomorrow be the day that it just kind of doesn't hurt as much when it uh, feels a little easier when I sense a tad of optimism. Um, And for mine, it was, it was like that. It didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work. And uh, I'm so proud of myself for just getting up every day and continuing to make those little efforts. And then one day it started to work. And then sometimes I'd fall back and come back again. Um, but eventually it, it uh, was, was clear that I'm out of the depression. Even if I have a bad day, if I have a bad week, um, I can still tell that my life is, you know, seven out of 10 or better in, in all of my different areas in general. Um, so just, I tell people don't be discouraged by a setback and don't be discouraged if it if it takes a long time, just be so proud of yourself for whatever little thing you're doing. Cause I know how hard that is. Even if nobody else knows how hard it is, you know how hard it is. And I know how hard it is to make those little efforts. So be so proud. Was medication at all a part of this for you? Yeah. You know what? Medication made a big difference when I had postpartum depression, it actually calmed my anxiety right down. i I felt better within a couple of months Um, with this depression, because this, this depression was more about the lack of feelings, the lack of happiness, the lack of excitement. So the medication this time, unfortunately, didn't make um, a big difference for me. Um, So I, I realized there were other things that I had to do. And it's kind of the way my psychiatrist explained it. She said, um, Headaches aren't caused by a lack of aspirin, but aspirin does help a headache. So uh, she's like, even if the aspirin is helping, um, you still want to find out, well, what keeps causing this headache? So that's why talk therapy does make a big difference, because you're sort of figuring out what are my triggers? What what lifestyle things could I change that would perhaps help me not be led down this dark path again? Um so yeah, it's a, and it's going to be different for everyone. I know people who are on medication and will stay on it the rest of their lives. And that is what works for them. And I'm so grateful that they found that for themselves. I wish, I wish for me that it was as simple as just saying this pill and ta-da, but um, that, that just wasn't the case for me. How, what about you? Have you ever had an experience with that? Oh, with the uh, medication? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to take an anti-anxiety because when my daughter was a baby, it was so chaotic and she never slept and cried all the time and we couldn't go anywhere because then she'd be up night after night. It was before we got the diagnosis. I was so I didn't usually have anxiety, but I was so anxious. And it did help. It did help. It's hard getting off though. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh my, gosh. oh my God. And it made my PMS so much worse. I mean, I'm past that now. Thank goodness. But mm. holy cow, that was rough. <laughs> oh, I know. Coming off of it. And then also, even when I was out of the depression, suddenly I had feelings again. I had happy feelings again. I had like the whole rainbow of feelings 
and it was hysterical because I would cry at every single commercial. Like even if it was just a hamburger <laughs> commercial and it's two people, let me give you a bite of my hamburger. And I'd be like, it's the, the sharing and there's love in the world. <laughs> like it was all, everything was making me feel again. And it was kind of like at the end of uh, the movie, The Grinch, when suddenly Jim Carrey has a heart and it has grown. And oh my gosh, um, coming out of a depression was incredible to me. I was like, there's... There's too much goodness here. <laughs> I don't know how to process it all. So I was just, I was crying at a lot of, I was crying at the checkout. I was crying, but they were happy tears. It's just, I felt like, okay, this is uh, neat. I'm human again. Right. Wow. And and better neat than the 30% off at the Gap. Although I guess that's pretty good. Oh, but. better. Yeah. <laughs> this is like that one, no, I think, I think they just keep putting that same 30% up every week. I'm kidding. I'm catching on. <laughs> Jessica, you are absolutely fantastic. You really have. You have lifted my spirits. You have, you, we have a lot in common. You know, it's interesting with the social media. I took a few days off and I've been much happier because I can't use it in a normal way because I feel like, you know, with the book and other things, I keep looking at other people. Well, why is his book number one? My book, well, what, what, you know, blah, blah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, my husband has since, um, since all of this stuff happened, he became an energy healer oh, and that's kind wow. of what his personality has been his whole life anyway, um, for everyone, but his wife, <laughs> but anyhow, he, uh, <laughs> he now has an office and that's what he does full time. And, uh, his advice to me, because I said, I get so hurt sometimes and I, I want in my heart, I want to be happy for everybody, but I want a little piece of the action too. And he said, um, would it, you know, why did you write the book? Why did you really write the book? Why do you really get on stage? And I said, I, I truly, truly feel better when I make people feel good. And he said, well, can that be your prayer to the universe then? Please help my book reach the people that really need it. Please help my jokes lift the day up of the person who really needs it. And he said, that is a prayer that the universe can answer because that's what you're going to be doing, what you're meant to be doing, which is helping the person or people who need it. And, uh, and then I don't, it doesn't sting if the book isn't number one, or if, if I didn't get a standing ovation or something, you know, it, it, it just feels better. Cause I feel like, Oh, I had a purpose and it wasn't material. It was to touch somebody. Okay. I get it. Oh, that's awesome. And you have, I mean, many, many, oh, many, many you, somebody. So you're just, Jessica, I hope you'll come back because I just obviously am enamored with you. Tell us all the ways we can find you in your wonderful book, Depression, the Comedy, A Tale of Perseverance. Oh, sure thing. JessicaHolmes.com is my website and I have appearances there. Uh, but then uh, twice a day, I still do go on social media. So I, Good, <laughs> on my um, website, yeah, just twice a day, get in and out. It's like a hot tub and you don't want to get an infection. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you go to my website, you can click on any of the links there for, for my info. But Lisa, I have to say you are a ray of sunshine and you have made my day as well. So oh, thank you very I'm much. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.